If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, I am super delighted to be back with you in this new year. We are heading down to Arizona and Texas, and we'll be away for we'll be away from the snow for three months, providing, of course, it doesn't snow in Texas. And I have been hearing that uh, far too much about snow in Texas. So we shall see. But you know, whatever. I'm going to see some grass, and we haven't seen grass up in Ontario since early November or mid-November. That's when it really started to snow. And I quite like to see the ground. It would be really, really nice. So we're going to have a load of fun. I'll be recording my podcast from wherever we happen to be, because that's the nature of podcasting. You can record from just about anywhere. On that Note, I just want to say a little bit about the Vacation Rental Women's Summit, because if you haven't got your ticket yet to go to New Orleans in February and go and see the Countess of Carnarvon and Elizabeth Gilbert, the author of Eat, Pray, Love and um, Big Magic, you need to get your tickets now. It's going to be amazing. Amy Hynote from VRM Intel has done the most fantastic job in putting this together and and she has really has gone to town. So if you want to have high tea at the Ritz-Carlton in New Orleans, plus hear all those amazing speakers, plus hear me too, because I'm speaking twice. I've got two sessions plus a couple of panels. So I'm going to be busy. I just want to meet as many people as possible. You know, we will have to get a, a get together, together, if you like. That's just a plug for the Vacation Rental Women's Summit. I will be flying down to New Orleans from Dallas. I'm going to leave my husband in an RV park just outside the airport. Sounds a lot worse than it actually is. It's a very nice RV park on a lake. He will just have just, just a really nice time. Uh, he loves aeroplanes. So because it's close to Dallas-Fort Worth, he can sit there in the evenings and watch the aeroplanes flying overhead. And he will be happy, a happy, happy man. So I am interviewing today Peter Lorimer, the host of or the co-host of Stay Here, the Netflix show Stay Here. And I'm super excited about this because I really liked the show. I wasn't sure I was going to because I thought it was just going to be yet another makeover show. You know, the usual thing, drama in the middle. It was so predictable. But in fact, this show, Stay Here, takes the makeovers to a very, very different level because it's very specific to our business. So Genevieve Gorda, you might recall her from Trading Places, she does the decor and design, does some amazing makeovers, but with the guest in mind and with the guest personas in mind, they think very clearly about who the guests are going to be and create the space specifically for them. And then Peter Lorimer, who is a Brit, you're going to love Peter, you'll love his accent. I mean, if you've seen Stay Here, you you know what a bubbly, enthusiastic kind of guy he is. And Peter talks about the short-term rental business and how important hospitality is and how important cleanliness is and how important it is to market correctly. And he really focuses a lot on what's dear to our hearts, and that is direct booking. I'm going to let Peter really tell his story about how he got to be the presenter of Stay Here. So without further ado, let's move on over to my interview with Peter Lorimer of PLG Estates in Los Angeles. 
So I'm super delighted to have with me today Peter Lorimer, the co-host of Stay Here, the Netflix show that everybody seems to be watching, certainly in our vacation rental world. Welcome, Peter. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Heather. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to uh, to be on the show, especially with us being in the Americas and both being British. It's uh... It's nice. <laughs> it is, actually. I always love to get a, a British accent on the other end of of my Skype call because, uh, yeah, it is it is really, really nice. So, uh, you know, I want to find out what got you to Los Angeles. Um, I know you're a music producer in the UK. How do you get yes. to be from music producer to real estate agent in Los Angeles and be the co-host of such a great show as well I'll try and be brief heather because it's it's a it's a long story but uh <laughs> i uh uh was always obsessed with music as a kid and, and i actually started my my musical career as a classical trombonist at the royal college of music um but i discovered uh in about about the late 80s that that dance music house music as it as it's known became my muse i ran off to london from my hometown of leeds to to forge a career in dance music, which I, I did very successfully. And then that's what kind of imported me into the US uh, in around, uh, around 1993. I'd had, I think, a, a, approximately 25 number ones in the U UK dance charts. And then I came over to the States in 93. And between 93 and 2000, thereabouts, I had another 30 in the, in the Billboard Club charts. And then I kind of found myself at this turning point of what's next, which is 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 most certainly emblematic of 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 the character known as Peter Lorimer. And I decided, really, uh, I don't. And this is the part that even I'm confused about, Heather. But I decided that the Los Angeles property market was decidedly undervalued on the global stage and i just don't really know where that came from i know my mum, bless her she lived in england at the time um and i i knew how much her house was worth my brother lives in sydney australia and i knew how much his house was worth and i figured oh wow the houses in la are really really underpriced and this was at the time when the internet was coming out and i figured la is a beautiful city a lot of people are going to move here the, once the internet kind of takes hold businesses will move here and you'll be able to work online um all really just on gut and so i started gobbling up properties before the property boom of the early 2000s um and i guess i began to flip them before really flipping was a thing and uh because i've been in the music business i had a a large base of industry um clients uh, that I worked for as a record producer, and I, I and I couldn't believe that they allowed me to work for them as a real estate agent. I was the, lucky enough to become the number one Keller Williams agent in Los Angeles after five years, and then I forged my own way because I'm very, I've always been very kind of dance to the beat of my own drum. I didn't really like the corporate structure at all, and I felt that there was room in this industry for something that was a little bit more creative and a little bit more kind of like um, we, we, we literally went after the creatives of, of Los Angeles as, as a company because in real estate, people tend to shotgun everything. And I said, nope, we'll just go after the creatives. And here we are eight years later, nearly nine years later with four offices, 200 agents. And then I launched headlong into the video medium because I saw that nobody in, in in corporate real estate world was really doing it. And that is how Netflix found me. They found me on YouTube. That, that is such a great story. And I'll <laughs> make sure to put uh, your, your website, the PLG Estates website, on the show notes. So Pete, you need to go and take a look at that because I love what you're saying there that you know you have a punk rock approach to real estate. You dance to the beat of your own drum whilst living on the bleeding edge of our industry. It's not, right. what, it's not what you usually hear from a realtor. <laughs> no. And then the, the, the other website you should put in the notes there, Heather, is they should go to peterlorimer.com as well. And Peter Lorimer on YouTube and all that stuff. 
Yes, and I have I have been stalking you and scouring through your your videos. And it's something we're going to talk about a bit later on because I think it it's really exciting what you've done. I love your very short, short videos that are giving uh, people a little insight into your thoughts on short-term rental. And how I, I watched one the other day, which is I had an idle moment, and I watched one you done on cleanliness, which is yes. is dear to my heart. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna come back on on that a bit uh, a bit later. I I was watching, I was also listening, watching to a uh, another podcast you did, and I can't remember who you did it with. It was somebody that you'd um, you'd you knew from an Inman conference, and you mentioned that your your company was a little bit, and, and the creatives you collect together, he's, you said it's like an island of misfit toys, and I love that. Yes, <laughs> yes, we are the strange ones. And I absolutely love that. Well, you're obviously really successful at doing that. So mm. how about the short-term rental side? Do you, do you have your own properties? I have a blend. Let me kind of give you the genesis of, of where, and I do have my own properties, but let me give you the genesis of where this kind of began. So I seem to have a habit of stumbling into places that are at the forefront of a massive explosion, i.e. the dance music explosion in Britain in, in the late 80s, just kind of stumbled into it. And then uh, the property explosion in the early 2000s in Los Angeles, you know, happenstance. I don't know. Maybe I've got a very, a very, a very poignant gut. I don't know. But uh, and then really short, I was doing short term rental before Airbnb, Airbnb was even a platform because I had this, as I mentioned earlier, this kind of stable of not just celebrities, but but like wealthy individuals throughout Los Angeles. And some of them have houses on Malibu Beach and other parts of, of Los Angeles in the Hollywood Hills and Beverly Hills. And they go away for a long time. I have one client who I, I can't disclose their name, but they have a home on Malibu Beach that in the summer... I can rent it for them for 100000 a month. I was doing short-term rentals uh, really for like the past, for ten, over 10 years, 12 years. And then the explosion happened. And as it happened, for me, it was a no-brainer that it was going to really catch fire. And so that's why, again, I, number one, I find it an incredibly exciting part of the real estate industry. As far as the real estate industry is concerned, I find that most of my colleagues and competitors don't really pay it much attention, which I find utterly baffling because it's the it's a for me it's a no brainer of the next wave of investment for for property around the world, um, and, I, and I think they'll catch up. I mean, there are some people in the real estate industry that love it, but as a profession, we seem to be still stuck for the for the vast majority of agents on sales and mm -hmm. <laughs> I think short-term rental, not only do the margins increase, if, if, over the life of a property, you can earn 50% more income. So why isn't everybody on the planet doing this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, and I think, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time talking to to people who have been in the industry for a long time and they look at strategy and and how this industry is going. And and I too have been around since way before HomeAway and and um, Airbnb and have seen these dramatic changes. And I think real estate seems to be a little bit late in catching up to to actually the, the business of short term or vacation rentals. Right. I, I, I think the reason for that may be, Heather, is that for the most part, and I, I certainly don't want to sling mud at my industry because there are some lovely, lovely individuals. Um, but I do see it as an industry that seems to be focused on the transaction, meaning one, one, one philosophy that my, my, my wife and I have had since the very, very beginning is we, ne we don't look at each client as a commission. We look at what we make a year as a salary. And what that allows to do is be long-term thinkers and, uh, and not focus on, on each deal as, as what's putting bread on the table, as, if, uh, as it were. Mm -hmm. And so with, with, with short-term rental, I, I look at this as really a long-term play. Now, I think it's, it's finding its own balance right now. There are some cities in the U.S. that are anti-Airbnb. Um, 
there are some cities in the US that are pro. But it reminds me very much of of what happened with Uber when they at first weren't allowed to be at the airports. And now for the for the vast majority, they are allowed to be at the airports. And I think it will find its own equilibrium. But as as an agent representing these that the, the the buyers and sellers of Airbnb, for me it's it, it it's a no brainer because if I put someone in a property that has fifty percent more yield, they're gonna buy another one and then another one and then another one. And I I think it's I'm a I'm a very kind of liberal guy, and I believe very, very, very much in the shared economy. So this fits right in my wheelhouse. So, so when you got the opportunity to do stay here, when Netflix approached you, that that must yes. have been such a great opportunity for you to get this message out. It was, it was, and um, I, to be honest with you, Heather, I mean, I was listening. I, I didn't make the videos that I made to try and get a TV show. I did them because I wanted to do them and I felt it would draw attention to my company. Um, and when they called me, I, I was, li- I literally thought it was one of my mates having a prank. Uh, and when they said, yes, this is, uh, yeah, this is Susie from, uh, from Netflix and we'd like you to consider being on a show. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Who is it? Who is it? <laughs> Who's pulling my leg? And then, you know, I guess they'd done their homework. They, 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 had, they see that I'm from the island of misfit toys that you talk about, definitely at the, at the progressive end of real estate. And we talked about uh, my philosophies on, on uh, short-term rentals. And it was, you know, it was like, to, it was like a hand fitting in a familiar glove. And then I met Genevieve and she was amazing and, we hit it off and uh, boom, that yeah. was it. Well, you know, I've, I have, I've binge watched it. I know a, a, a lot of people who've done the same thing. And, and I was, you know, I remember when it, when it first came out and, and we were all sort of chatting within the industry saying, well, what do you think? What do you think? And haven't heard anything negative so far, which which is fantastic for a show that is, you know, that, that is directed at our industry because I think it could have gone, it could have gone a different way. And I think you've done, you, you've, you've made a great job of it, considering you only have a half hour to play with. Right. Well, I, I will tell you this, Heather, that we we are when we were making the show and we did a lot of uh, pre-production, probably four to six months of pre-production before we actually started shooting. And every what we made a conscious decision um, to not have the oh my god the water heater is going to blow up moment. Mm-hmm. We wanted to have something that felt authentic, and it, and it was a business show primarily, and then it was a design show, a travel show, and and obviously an Airbnb show. So, and there's nothing wrong with these shows that do this. We didn't want to fake any drama or you know have any of those moments that 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 are in a lot of other shows, we really wanted to give away the information regarding what we knew in an entertaining fashion that hopefully people can then apply to their own cottage industry. Mm-hmm. And there was one bad, there were, I had one bad comment. I did have one, which was, um, and I do regret this, in the Seattle episode, my, my rough northern accent came out because instead of saying water, I said water. But and some, I got scolded by a, an English teacher from the UK saying, how can you represent Britain when you're dropping your teas? <laughs> so, Water. <laughs> but apart from that. You know, this this, this I, is because nobody in North America can actually say water properly. <laughs> I'm, I'm really putting that out there now. <laughs> but no, apart, I, listen, I'll be honest with you, Heather. I, I was surprised because... You know, even the production company said, look, brace yourself because a lot of people are going to love it, but you're going to get people that hate it. Mm-hmm. And we barely had any any barbs thrown at us, which was, which was wonderful. I found it fascinating because there's a number of Facebook groups devoted, well, hundreds of Facebook groups devoted to the short-term rental business. And, and it's been the topic of conversation across there. And I've been uh, 
you know, it's been great to see all, you know, the, the positive reactions. Now, I have some questions for you that actually come from yes, my ma'am. audience and from, yes, from these, <laughs> these people on these groups. And one of them that came so many times to me was, you know, you, you'd made some really radical changes to these properties. You know, even the Seattle Love Nest, it was small, but you just went right through that. And then... Yes. You know, the little, the vintage ranch, obviously that's a smaller one, but you did some mega work on the other properties. Owners have perhaps more limited budgets. Where do you think their focus should be? You know, I've, I've, I've been looking at all the different um, stay here homes and seeing that, that there was really conscious effort made in just about every room, except somebody said there were no bathrooms um, shown which was an interesting one. Where do you think the focus should be for, for those owners who who don't have a unlimited budget to do something like this? Sure. This is a great question. And um, I feel that the most important... So, so when, when we're dealing with short-term rentals, obviously we're dealing with a short-term stay. So people who are only going to be there for a couple of three days or maybe a week they're not going to necessarily notice some of the um, more physical problems such as an old roof and general real estate stuff that we de- that I deal with on a daily basis with my brokerage. So for short-term rental, I think most importantly, I, and I, this was the, why it was the, the lead on my, my new series, which is Superhost Superheroes on YouTube, is number one, you've got to be clean. You can never be too clean. Because there is, there is this bizarre phenomenon with short-term rental that people feel more grossed out when they find dirt in a short-term rental than when they find dirt in a hotel. And I don't know why that is, but it, it, that, that's number one. Number two, if, if you have a limited budget, neutralize certain colors. So if you've got like a, a green bedroom and then a blue bathroom, the green and the blue you may love but those are really strong, emotive colors, and I would neutralize them. I always use um, Swiss coffee, or there's another one called Navajo white that I really like to use that are just off-whites that are a little bit more creamy that, frankly, appeal to everyone. And also, they're really easy to touch up. Another reason why I use those. Mm-hmm. Secondly is this. Don't overfill it with crappy furniture. I would much rather see less furniture that was purposefully chosen, preferably new. I see this a lot term rental, that it's a drawer, we referred to it in the show, where people shove all their old furniture that they're not using in their short-term rental, but those days are kind of coming to an end because the public see short-term rental now as a business, and we have to adopt that mentality which i spoke of in the show which is we must behave like the ceo of a small hotel everything is experience based so have a have a go out and buy a chair don't have old linens on the bed don't use an old bed that was your kids used to sleep in for me when it comes to 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 leveraging short-term rental for the highest highest return on investment if you spend anywhere from $2,000 to $4,000, which isn't that much, on painting, doing a few minor repairs, and then buying some choice specific furniture, and then taking some quality photographs, you will get that $4,000 back, certainly within the first year, I think. And then you're just going to add, you're going to be able to rent it for more per night. And then your investment margin will just go up in the years to come. I agree so much with you. You and I and I love the fact you mentioned photos as part of this this thing because you you your photo guy did the most amazing job. And just looking through, uh, and, and again, this will be on the on the show notes. Um, plgestates.com forward slash the stay here properties with hyphens between the state and here and properties. I'll put it on the show notes anyway. What struck me as I went through each of these was just the 
magnificence of these photographs. You know, I, I put astonishing in my notes because they're just beautiful pictures, but they're also experiential. It's not just standing in the corner of a room and taking a picture of the room. There's pictures of food where you've got um, properties where the outdoors is uh, featured, like the Malibu property. The outdoor photo- photography was amazing. And then textures as well. I really liked the concentration on textures. There is a blanket in the Seattle Love Nest, you know, one of those enormous um, woolen blankets. You, I think you, knit, you, yeah. can, you can actually knit them with, with your arms, apparently. Um, but it, th- there was a concentration on textures in the photographs and, and of course, food as well. So how, I mean, I'm, it's, it's a daft question, really. How important do you think those photographs are to the overall impact? Because it's pretty much a given, isn't it? Yes. Well, it, it's very interesting, Heather, that you bring this, this question up, because when they asked me to do the show, um, they said that they, you know, that they had planned to hire a photographer in each location. And I explained to them that because the the photographer that we used on the show is actually the real estate photographer I use for PLG and have used him for many years. And I said to the show, I feel so strongly about Chris coming with us on the road that uh, if it's not in the budget, I'll pay for him myself because he has he, he he creates such wonderful imagery. And it like you, you said it perfectly. It isn't just standing in the corner of the room with a wide-angle lens, taking a flash shot. Or in most cases in short-term rental, it's somebody standing with an iPhone in the corner, mm-hmm. you know, and they've got like a bag of, uh, they've got a gym gear bag on the table and newspapers out and dishes all around. Chris and I um, have worked together for so many years that we know all of the nuances and how to essentially set dress. So... Real estate and short-term rental have turned into it, – it, it's a different industry from the one it was even four years ago. It's almost turned into Tinder. So when people are swiping looking for a place to stay, they're going to pause the ones that have the greatest creative um, excitement, right? So if they're – Chris's pictures with all the vignettes of the moments and the cheese plate and the blanket and, you know, the, 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 the swan in the pool in Palm Springs. It isn't just taking pictures of what's there. It's painting the whole picture of the experience, which is, let's face it, the, the experience in short-term rental, I believe, is at least 50% of the business. The four walls is, is, is somewhere to stay, but people book short-term rental as much for the experience as, as much for the four walls. Well, it, it's interesting you say that because um, um, Alan Egan, who is um, you know, a bit of a powerhouse in, in the industry in terms of creating websites and developing content, uh, you know, he feels that the content that goes on the website about the local area is far more important than the accommodation itself. And his, his view is, is that he said, people don't go on vacation rental. They go on vacation. So you concentrate on their vacation and the experience of the vacation and not on the property itself. You know, you make it's emphasis on the experience. I, I, I absolutely 1,000% agree. And then this, this actually falls back into um, the investment strategy that I, I have with with myself and, and, and with people that I represent, which is people, the first question they say is, where should I buy? Um, and my answer is, you need to buy where you can buy within your budget that has greatest amenities that are surrounding the property. So if you can only afford a tiny two bedroom on the seafront of, of a little fishing town in Canada, for example, rather than buying a a four-bedroom place that's a little bit further out, the amount of traffic you will get through your short-term rental that is in direct correlation to the walkability and the restaurants and the bars and the cafes and the shops and the experiences that are close to the property, for me, far outweigh buying something bigger with more land. Now, obviously, there are exceptions to that, but as a rule, I always say try and get right in the middle of the action even if it's a tiny place for your budget, because you will consistently 
rent it night after night after night. Well, isn't this, this, isn't this indicative of the change in the industry over the past 10 or 15 years where all that time ago, it, it was so destination-based. People went to a destination. They went to Orlando. They went to Destin or Panama uh, City Beach, and they went to the Outer Banks. But now, even the tiniest little micro-market is going to attract people if it's marketed right. And if, if it Correct. has and if it has the stuff around it that's going to attract people to it. People are more adventurous now to go to different places. Yeah, and I and I think the the, the other phenomenon, Heather, is, is this that we all as human beings, we like to be referred someone. So if 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 I'm if I need my teeth doing, I'm not really gonna just kind of go online and Google a dentist. I'm going to get referred by one of my friends or family. And so I think our industry is, is kind of predicated on that because the whole, I think the whole reason why, why short-term rental has caught fire is because if I wanted to come to, to Canada where you are, I can research your property and I can live like a local. I'm not just going to fly to some hotel and stay close by and have these vanilla amenities that I can have anywhere. I can stay in your house. I can essentially live in your life for a few days. And I think that's kind of exciting. And I think that's why this has been such a, a magnificent ascent of our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's just go back to the properties uh, and, and the way they were portrayed on Stay Here as, as you were doing, because I'm, I'm re- I was really interested in the business side, how you are helping the owners to focus on that on those business operations. That's what stood it really apart from the other makeover shows. Um, but I sense from every, every one of those properties that they were attracting a particular market. Uh, you know, the, the, um, the Seattle love nest is, uh, is attracting couples, I guess. Um, the vintage, yes. vintage ranch in Paso Robles, that is, is, well, clearly it was a wedding location anyway. How do you suggest owners identify that target market? If, you know, find out who are the people that are going to come to my place that's a great question um so it's interesting the seattle love nest bless their hearts i I was so fond of those people they were they were the (laughs) sweetest people on the planet and they really hadn't attracted anyone so i think this was a classic case of they didn't really know their market and then once i had kind of set foot on the boat it was apparent that um, it wasn't a place that you would be having families or groups of six or ten, like uh, the New York episode. It was a very intimate space where you were tripping over people. So by nature, the space dictated the crowd. We were on the water. It was very romantic. So my belief structure uh, in, in short-term rental and, frankly, in real estate is really go after your niche and go after it hard. Because if you're trying to appeal to everybody all the time, it's you're gonna kind of it's gonna be mediocre, and and ultimately, I, I think you will have a much lower return on investment. So the the how do people find out what their demographic is? So for example, I'm gonna give it where I am in Los Angeles. If you go outside of Los Angeles for about I think it's about 90 miles away, there's a beautiful little town called Big Bear which is raised up in, in, in the mountains a little bit. And so naturally, people, if I, was, if I owned a cabin up in Big Bear, I would be going after the lifestyle folks. So I would be designing my cabin to fit the needs of people that want to go hiking, that people that want to go fishing, people that want to uh, experience the great outdoors, people that maybe want to go stargazing. Um, if I'm in the middle Let's say I'm in Venice, California. Um, that's next to the beach. So I think it's it's kind of it's kind of obvious that people who are going to be drawn to that community um, very much like the beach and surfing and the beach culture, which is which is a no-brainer. But also Ve- Venice is very famous for art. It's very famous for having an extremely vibrant street culture. So I would be marketing to that crowd. I would potentially have local artists provide beautiful uh, artwork for my short-term rental that could potentially be purchased, like we did the consignment episode in mm-hmm. Hudson. 
So it, it all depends where you are. So if you're in a city, what is your part of the city known for? Is it cycling? Is it, is it you know, there's a, there's a million things. But I would most certainly hone it, like if it was in Washington, D.C., in Georgetown, it's the walkability to so many historic artifacts and buildings and, and massively historical moments in the United States. I would have an emphasis on that. And I would have a guidebook that shows everybody uh, where these famous moments happened. Such a, a great, a great concept. I think so many people start with their businesses and they, they, they do the spaghetti against the wall approach. You know, something's going to stick. Awful approach. Mm-hmm. And because it's this, if I'm looking through properties, right, and, and let's face it, if I'm going to book something in the middle of Washington, D.C., I'm either going to be on a business trip or I'm going to be history or some part of history or politics is going to play into my trip. So as a, as a short-term rental owner, I'm going to double, triple, quadruple down on that so that when they're flipping through the properties, I'm not going to try and appeal to everyone all the time. But I'm going to make my short-term rental the best damn historical short-term rental in Georgetown. So I will capture all of the people who are coming to Washington, D.C. for historical reasons. That is such a great tip. Um, let's, let's just move on to the, the marketing of a property. Because yeah. the, the online travel agencies, the OTAs, such as Airbnb, HomeAway, VRBO, TripAdvisorBooking.com, there's a ton of them, are not the only, it's not the only avenue to get the message out. How do you feel about owners creating their own website and what should they have in their websites? Okay, so now we're getting into one of my favorite parts of, uh, of short-term rental. So um, one thing that is an absolute must is you have, to have your own social media platforms named after the property. So let's go with the historical house in Georgetown. For example, uh, an Instagram handle would be House of History Georgetown. And I'm going to give you a phrase, Heather, that I absolutely love. And it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a terribly British phrase. And I got it from a friend of mine that works in television. And he says, his name's Richard. And he's like, Peter, the best titles always do what they say on the tin. And I'm like... <laughs> What on earth do you mean by that? And he says, you need to encapsulate everything to do with the show, in his case, in the title. So his House of History, Georgetown, says to me, it's a historical property in Georgetown. So if I'm part of that crowd, I'm already interested. And then you must treat your social media accounts like a beautiful garden of roses. And you need to nurture them and post and write interesting things and non-generic stuff. The more specific you can be, the more experiential you can be as an owner. Maybe you put yourself in the video, in a one-minute video, pointing things out about the, uh, the residents. Or maybe you, 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 you put yourself in the video uh, that's a one-minute video, having a coffee at the local coffee shop and why you love it and why you've always loved it. I feel that the website is important, but I, I feel it's, it's only as important as an Instagram handle and a Facebook uh, business account. Um, and then what I like to do is, with, when I advertise, I will create these one-minute vignettes that I will pop up on Instagram that drive the traffic back to my website, where I will then attach a Facebook pixel so I, then I can retarget the people that have shown interest. I remember the few years ago, the mantra for social media was be everywhere. Is that as important today to be on Instagram, to be on Facebook, to be on Twitter and Pinterest? Or do you just choose one and focus on that one? <laughs> this is something that I have deliberated ad, ad nauseum. Back in the day when... when when social media platforms were, were, were evolving, I remember I was on everything all the time. And then there, there was a point, which was probably around 2010 or 12, 11, where I'm like, this is exhausting. I can't possibly keep up with everything I was on 
Twitter, I was on Pinterest, I was on Snapchat, I was on two Facebook accounts, I was on two Instagram accounts, and it was my entire day. The way that I do it, the flavor that works for me is I have really, I really have the big two. My focus is Instagram and YouTube because I really love those platforms. And then I push it out to um, Twitter and Facebook as well. But I am I'm on Instagram all the time, talking to people, chatting, posting Instagram stories. Um, and then I'm also on YouTube, posting videos every week. Facebook for me, I like, but I prefer Instagram. Twitter, I like, but I prefer Instagram. So I say pick your poison and run with it because you just can't be in all places at all times. And again, it's know your niche. If you're better on Pinterest, spend most of your time on Pinterest and capture all the business you can off of Pinterest. If you're better on Twitter, capture all the business you can on Twitter because you can't be master of all these platforms unless you have a team and you have unlimited time and resources. Yeah, that's that. That is great advice. Um, I, I remember the "be everywhere" mantra. It's just like, how do we do this? How how can you be on everything? And you you learn a little bit about some, and you never become master of any. So right. you've mentioned YouTube a couple of times. You you spend a lot of time creating video. How important? How important would this be for a short term rental owner? Um, to use YouTube to, to, to do something for, for, the, for their personal branding? So uh, this is a, t- a two-part answer. So let, let's deal with the product. Let's deal with the fictitious owner of, of Bobby who has a house in Houston, Texas that he likes to Airbnb out or he likes short-term rental. Um, I feel that it is it would behoove him or her to not create media regarding the property. Sure, you can just stick it up on the various sites and see what comes in. But for me, again, you heard me refer to this earlier in in, in the show, which is I'm a long-term thinker. So when I get someone that stays at one of my properties, I don't just want to be one and done. I want to make sure that I keep a relationship with them so that not only do they come back, but they tell their friends and family they had such a fantastic experience that if you're ever visiting Houston, you have to stay here. And and so what I'm and, and it, in order to stay in people's minds, we have to procure media. So I like to do these videos. And I think there is not there is doing videos of just property with no one in them are fine. But I find them a little bit vanilla. There is nothing more poignant. And there is nothing that breaks through the noise better than having a video with someone in it telling telling the watcher what they love and why they love it. Because people will find that engaging. And if you want to get repeat business, you need to make sure that you drive people to your website. And you do that by having cards all over the short-term rental saying, please, uh, leave me a comment on Instagram, leave me a comment here, you know, use hashtag, and then you can drive them to your website, you put Facebook pixel on them, and then you can remarket to them forever. So it's imperative, I believe, to do video photographs on their own. Excellent. And it's not difficult, is it? I know so many people feel that, you know, I don't want to put my face in front of a camera, or I, I feel self-conscious. Um, I, I know from, from personal experience that it really doesn't matter. You, you just do it and, and nobody cares what you look like. They're, they're interested more in what you're telling them. And that's, you know, and it's, it's really, it's, it's fascinating, um, Heather, because coming out of the music industry, when I discovered the power of video, I was like, oh God, the real estate industry is going to be absolutely saturated with video in the next couple of years. This was probably around 2014, 2015. Here I am going to 2019, and there is still barely, barely any real estate professionals that will get in front of the camera because they feel or they don't feel that social media is worth it. 
Whereas if your people, like if I have a wonderful, let's pretend I stayed at the, at the Paso Robles place, it's driving distance for me. If every couple of months I got a little friendly video that was put in, in a MailChimp uh, blast or I saw it on Instagram or I saw it somewhere, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, you know, I really need to go back to that place. It was so lovely. And it's going to remain top of mind when people say to me, hey, Pete, do you know anywhere in Central California that's really sweet? That's the first place I think of. So instead of just leaving it up to the sites, we must be proactive to promote our businesses ourselves. Yes, of course, the majority of our bookings are going to come through the sites, but we want to then uh, parlay those bookings into a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger business and not just rely on the sites. It'd be nice if we can have bookings that come from our website that begin to support us. Mm -hmm. You make some really great points and, uh, you know, we, 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 we support anything that will help owners become more independent and to help them book direct. So, so you know, the, what you shared today has been just fantastic. I'm sure that's going to be very motivating. Just one couple more questions before we, we finish off. One is, do you know how well these properties did after the makeover? Yes. Yes. Uh, and, and again, we, we talked about this in the show because by the time we'd finished the show and edited it, all of the properties had had um, some time to be on the market prior to the show going live in August, because we finished around, I think it was around February, late February. So we had from February to, to August to, uh, to see how they did. And I'm happy to tell you that every single one of them has massively increased their return on investment. So the, to some of them are, are over four times what they were earning. Um, and every single owner is, it has turned a cottage industry into into more of a business and and that just fills my heart with uh, with pride and joy for them oh i'm sure it does and last question is there going to be another series i i, I would be incredibly surprised if there isn't because mm -hmm. the reaction has been massive globally and uh netflix did tell us that we won't find out if there's going to be season two until early january but i would be massively surprised if there isn't a season two and i'm 99.9 .9 certain because i've heard a few things that we will be <laughs> shooting season two well i think it's i, th I think it's amazing I, I also oh yes i just loved the fact that you brought in some industry experts as as well um you know it was great to see and all these people i know i know jess ashworth from from logify and david kraus from noise aware you know these it, it was it was <laughs> great that these industry uh, experts are getting the opportunity to, um, to to share their knowledge and experience as well. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think one of the reasons why it was such a good fit with me is because in the real estate industry, I'm known as a pirate. I'm known as kind of, you know, the, the, the non-traditional brokerage. And I, what I love about, about the short-term rental industry is at the moment, we, we feel like an army of rebels. And I, I kind of love that. I've always been drawn to, you know, viva la revolution and putting the power in the hands of the people. And, and so many of us are yet to discover the short-term rental industry. And certain things will, as the cities around the world and, and around the United States, realize that this industry is not going away. It's only going to get stronger. I think some of the laws will lapse because it's a win-win. Mm -hmm. there there, there's no loser in this industry. If I've got a spare part of my house or a guest house on my property that I want to rent to someone, it helps them, it helps me, and hurts no one as long as I am respectful with what type of guest I have. And if they're booking it to have a, a record release party, I'm not going to have them in there. But if it's some people coming to visit Los Angeles – so they can go to Universal Studios and have a jolly old time for three or four days. No harm, no foul. I love it. Yeah. Well, that's it. it is. It, I mean, for me, I've been in the business for twenty-five years. So it, it, 
it's it's all I know and and it just gets better and better and shows like Stay Here just help enormously. So Peter, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. Just so good to hear your 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 knowledge and experience about the industry and uh, and we will really look forward to season two. Yay! Well, <laughs> what I would like to say is and. Uh, uh, is I want to thank you, Heather. I want to thank all of your listeners. The the short term rental community ha- have have all bristled with pride with this show, and I intend, and I know the show does, to carry the message of our industry and uh, into season two, three, four, ten, because I'm proud to represent us. Uh, I'm proud to represent the Rebellion Army of short-term rental owners. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, that is, that is a great note to end on. So <laughs> thank you so much for being with me. Of course, Heather. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, I hope you enjoyed that discussion I've just had with Peter Lorimer of PLG Estates in Los Angeles. And, of course, he is the host of or co-host of Stay Here. I really do hope there is a second and a third and a fourth episode. I think it's it's a really great concept. I love to see vacation rentals being featured on mainstream uh, TV. I, I love what Matt Landau is doing with Sense of Place and uh, and with Stay Here. That's you know it makes an additional um, show. In this, in this new genre, I guess. I love it. So it is part of my plans to do much more video for 2019. And and I think after talking to Peter and, and seeing his YouTube channel, and I think, yeah, this really is the way to go. So I'd love to hear if, you know, if you're doing video, then let me know. Send me an email at heather at vacationrentalformula.com. Let me have a look. Let me see your YouTube channel and we can perhaps feature you on the podcast at some at uh, some future date. So I've put all the links to um, the Stay Here show, Peter's websites and everything else we mentioned is on the show notes. So please go take a look. And uh, let me have your comments. Let me have your views. Let me have your thoughts on what, what, what you think about Stay Here. And, uh, and if there's anything out of any of those episodes that you think, you know, struck a chord with you and makes you want to make some changes in your property, do something different, and maybe even do some renovations. So thanks so much for being with me once again, and I'll look forward to being with you again next week. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business. 